<coughs> we turn to God's word in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Looking at verse 20, verse 20 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Glorify God in your body. Glorify God in in your body. We know that we worship God in spirit and in truth. Our spirit touches God's Holy Spirit. We recognize that this is a supernatural uh, happening. And there are times when we can therefore forget about our physical body. And Paul has been in the, especially the the previous chapter, uh, certainly been talking about uh, the physical body and how uh, people are to act and certainly how people are not to act. And so Paul says at the end of chapter 6, we read, For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. (coughs) Paul in chapter 6, sort of two sections here. And in these two sections... Firstly, he's talking about the uh, justice that uh, we want to have, uh, that justice be done. And so, therefore, some uh, of the members in their quest for justice were taking their uh, assailant, taking their fellow brothers even, to a secular court of law, into the civil courts, And so Paul says, no, this is wrong, brothers. Do not do this. There is a better way. And then he sums this up in verse 20 after he goes through the the next portion, which is that part where he is talking about uh, uh, how we act as people. fornication, slander, covenant, theft, and although that, that, that list that we sometimes want to shy away from. And at the end of it, what Paul is saying is, you know, don't you? He says, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God You are not your own. Your body, Paul is saying, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And so here we see, and I want to try and and show this morning, 
that it is very easy for us sometimes to get swept up in, in, in the spirit. And sometimes that is what the, uh, the members of the, of the early church did. They decide, well, actually, it doesn't matter too much about what I do, about what I say, how I act, because actually it's all about my spirit being with God's spirit. It doesn't matter about my body, about how I act. And Paul is saying, no. He says, what in verse 19? What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit living in you, in your body. We have that, don't we, as Paul would say in a few chapters later, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink, whatsoever ye do, do all for the glory of God. And certainly eating or drinking are bodily functions. Whatever ye do in your body, Paul is saying, do all for the glory of God. We cannot separate, really, uh, and say, well, okay, my, my spirit is, 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 is with God in his spirit, touching spirits together. Therefore, it doesn't matter how I act or what I do in my body, how I treat my body, how I treat other people's bodies. Paul says, no. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy, Holy Spirit? You know this to be true. Live like this. And so therefore, if we go back uh, a few verses, as we work our way through the latter portion of, of chapter 6, well, what do we see for Paul to be able to see, to say that ye are bought of a price, therefore glorify God in your body? What does it mean? That Christ has paid a price for you, your body. What does it mean that, that, that your body has been bought at a price? He bought your bodies. We are, as it said, doubly bought. First and foremost, he created us in his image. And also he died for you. Doubly bought. You are doubly bought. You are created by him. And he paid the price for you on the cross. He owns you. He is your master. And this week where we are thinking of a new king being crowned. We come before the king of kings and the lord of gods to say. I have a king. Christ Jesus. He is the one whom I bow down before. Verse 12, what does Paul say? He says, well, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. I will not be brought under the power of any. What does he mean by this? What he is saying here is that I won't be mastered by anything. I'm not going to be a slave to anything because I have the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings as my master. He is the one who has bought me. 
In fact, he is the one who has adopted me into his family, that now I am a child of the living God. And so, therefore, he says, I will not be brought under the power of any, but only the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who is my true living master. None of these things have anything over me. The temptations of my heart, that is not going to master me. The sways of the peoples of this world, even Caesars, even kings, even high priests, will not have any mastery over me. They will not sway me. I will not be brought under the power of any. For you have been bought with a price. You are no longer your own now. You are God's. That's what Paul is saying. I have a spirit within me, he's saying. Christ is in me. The Father is in me. The temple of God. And he's able to say, I therefore have this hope, this glorious assurance that Christ Jesus has died for me. I'm not going to live for anybody else. This body doesn't belong to me. This body belongs to Christ. And as we move on, we, we have this um, amazing uh, uh, statement that, that Paul makes in verse 13. Where he says, the body is not for fornication, or, or as he could say, for covetousness, or, 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 or being drunk, or revilers, or extortioners, or, or, or theft, or idolatry, or adultery, or effeminate, or abuse, or, or anything like that. It's not for anything like that. What does he say? He says, it's for the Lord, my body is for the Lord. And not just that, but he says, and the Lord is for the body. The Lord is for the body. And we're thinking, why is, why is the Lord for the body? Here I am in my weakness, in my decay, in my sinfulness. In, in, in even death, to a certain extent, as our, our bodies are decaying and dying. What does it mean this, when, when, when Paul says, the Lord is for the body? The Lord is for the body. It's very easy for us, as I said before, just to sort of like think, well, it doesn't matter what happens to my body. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I do. It's all about my spirit, how my spirit touches a God's spirit. And we have that supernatural. And yet here, Paul is saying, no. My body's for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. We know that our bodies get sick, we get hungry, we get tired. How can we say? But what we need to remember as when we, we remember our Lord Jesus Christ, his resurrection. And he said when he, when he entered into the uh, upper room, 
especially with Thomas, wasn't it? He said, touch me, touch my side, touch my hands, see me. That bodily resurrection is a body that could actually walk through walls, but a body. (coughs) And therefore also that is the same with us as Christians, which is why we uh, say that we should be uh, buried and not cremated. For one day, our bodies will be raised up, a new body. But it'll be a body that is formed from what our body is now. The Lord made the body. In his image, he made us. The Lord is for the body. So therefore, we cannot be against. We cannot just think it does not matter about the body. No, because God is for the body. As he says there in verse 14, just to really seal what he's, what, he's, what he's saying here. And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. So what he's saying about the resurrection of the dead. The bodies that we have God will raise up. What we need to remember here, and we ask, well, why is this, this this body that I have? And I don't know what our bodies will look like when we are uh, raised, and there'll be a new heaven, a new earth, and we have new bodies. But we know that we will recognize one another. But also what we need to remember behind all of this, the resurrection of the dead, is the power of God that death is not the final word. That Christ came and conquered death. That death is not the end, as we say. It's a beginning or a continuation or a new body that has been given to us. It's not just thrown away, thrown out. He says... God hath both raised up the Lord, but also, and will also raise up us by his own power. Raise up a spirit? No, raise up a body with a spirit. And so therefore, as we see, as he says there, well, Jesus was raised from the dead. And now Jesus, we know, is seated at the right hand of the Father in in body then therefore also our bodies will be raised up be made whole and new we know no more pain no more decay no more tears no more sadness no more disease The Lord will also raise up us by his own power. He's conquered death bodily also. And as he says, as we lead from that, as he says in verse 18, flee uh, fornication. 
flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication uh, sinneth against his own body. And here he's showing us how important the body is, that the body is uh, that the temple should be the temple of the Holy Spirit, where God uh, and the the Son uh, have, have, have come to dwell. Because it's no longer ours, but his. That God is uh, for the body. That as he says back in verse 12, as you can see how all this ties together. When he says, I will not be brought under the power of any, but I've been bought with a price. I'm no longer my own, but his. And the Lord is for the body. The Lord is for my body, for your body, which will be raised up on the last day by his own power, the King of kings and the Lord of lords who has conquered death. And so that's what he's saying. He died for your body. You're bought with a price. And so, therefore, what we see after he's saying, well, flee all of these things, flee iniquities, flee sin, flee fornication, ultimately. Because your body is the dwelling place of God. Treat it as such. Do not, therefore, allow yourself to come under any of these things. Do not let any outside influence, any sins, have mastery over you because God is your master. Your body is not your own. And so therefore he says, this is now, as he says in verse 19, he says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Do you know this? Paul is saying, do you know this? And this is so beautiful. We know that Jesus says, I do not call you as servants, as slaves. I call you friends. And even here, this is added to again, as Paul is explaining this to us. Because what is he saying here? What is he saying here about being uh, our bodies being the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God and ye are not your own? What we see here is that the price that was paid to buy us did not leave us as slaves, but actually he was buying a dwelling place to live in. Buying a dwelling place that he may live in you. That he would come into us, into your lives, that he may work in and through you. That you would be filled with the fullness of God. He didn't pay a price for you so that he could just leave you to your own devices, to go your own way to even figure out how you could even glorify God. He bought you with a price that he may dwell 
in you, to take up residence in you, to be with you at all times, in all places, that we would be full of him, that we would be full of him. Our bodies were bought with a price, a great price, so that he may dwell in us. As he says in verse 20, For ye are bought with a price, a great price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. But glorify God in your body. And so therefore, how do you live your lives, which are not your own? They are God's. How do you act? How do you demonstrate God in your life, in your body? How do you go about your everyday life to show that uh, the people, to, that you can be that witness and that testimony that, that God is great, that, 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 that you are living for him because he bought you with a great price, that you see him now as something that is to be desired, something that is uh, of, of, of great price, beautiful, wonderful, precious even, that you want him more than anything else that this world could ever offer. He paid for you. He paid for your body with a great price that he may dwell in you, that he may be glorified through you. For Jesus... offered up his life as a ransom. He paid the price that we may be bought, that we weren't just created in his image, but that also he died for us, that his life was a ransom. He paid for us. And this it's the gospel of Christ Jesus, isn't it? The good news of Christ Jesus. That we who, I mean, when Paul lists all of those abhorrent things in those verses that we read, we know that the wages of sin is death. And that the price that we would have to pay would be death. And yet Christ came into the world and paid the price for us. That he took upon himself our condemnation. And this gospel is offered to all who and any who believe that the death of Jesus is that payment for Sin for guilt, your sin, your guilt, your condemnation. 
He pays. He buys by his death on the cross. He pays for your body and your spirit. So Christ is saying this morning, for those who trust and believe, I've, I've paid for you. I've bought you. I'm for you. Live for me. And for those who have not yet trusted in Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, I pray that you would come to him knowing that he has died, paid the price, paid the debt that we could not pay, you could not pay. And so we come trusting in his mercy. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word, your holy word, your life-giving word, a word that sets us free from the power of sin and death. Lord God, you have paid the price. You died on the cross. Man may believe in you as their Lord and Saviour. And so we pray for those who trust in you, that they may live their lives for you, that they may desire you and you alone to do your will. And Father God, we pray for any that are here, any that are listening, who have not yet trusted in you as their Lord, that they may know that they are not their own, that they are not able to save themselves by any work that they may do, but they must trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who died for sinners, that they may be freed from the power of sin and death. So we pray this for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. 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 We conclude our public act of worship this morning as we sing from God's word once more. Psalm 34, Psalm 34, singing from verse 8 to 13, Psalm 34, verses 8 to 13, O taste and see that God is good, who trusts in him is blessed, fear God his saints, none that him fear shall be with want oppressed. We sing to God's praise and glory, Psalm 34 from verse 8. <clears throat> oh, taste and
intonations on this day, the evening service at the usual time of 6.30. Prayer meeting on Thursday, taken by one of the elders, and the services next Sabbath at the usual times of 11 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. At 6.30 this evening indoors, they have their final communion communion service. Uh, Fellowship is taking after evening service, taken by the Reverend uh, Gillis. And tomorrow, uh, Reverend Greg MacDonald is taking the service at 7.30. On Tuesday here, there will be a service to mark the opening of the new session of the seminary. That's at 7.30 here. Uh, God willing, the service will be led by the principal, the Reverend Graham Craig, who will also give the address and some literature and refreshments will be available. It is hoped that there will be a good show of support. And above all, the prayers of the church are requested that the Lord would uphold the lecturers and students and that he would send forth more laborers into the harvest field and help with clearing and tidying up afterwards would be much appreciated. Have a notice of our forthcoming communion services Thursday, the 22nd, uh, the Reverend Woods, Friday, the 23rd, Reverend McGlynn, Saturday, the 24th, and the Lord's Day, morning and evening, and the Monday, the 26th, will all be taken by the Reverend Thomas Buchanan. And anyone who is a community member in another congregation of the FCC or another denomination and who wishes to join this congregation as a community member, this is a prior notice to, to submit a disjunction certificate to the Kirk session as soon as possible. Those wishing to come forward by profession of faith or who don't have a disjunction certificate can do so during the communion season. And please note that only members of the communion role of this congregation will have a vote in the election of a new minister. And there's a prior notice of a congregational meeting with regard to the vacancy. And this will, God willing, be held on Thursday, 29th of September, conducted by the Reverend Timothy McGlynn, interim moderator of this congregation. And uh, all this, God willing. And there are copies of a statement from the moderator dated 9th of September regarding the death of the Queen on the table in the vestibule, or the statement can be accessed on the FCC website. And also, finally, the September witness, the delivery of the September issue of the witness has been delayed, but it's expected that it will be delivered during the coming week. These are the intimations for today. But now, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen.